And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, uh, listen, I got a new texture on the line, Elizabeth from uh, Falkville. Um, she just gave us her name, boom, uh, so you can plug that in. But uh, Elizabeth from Falkville, uh, just brand new texture, and she asked a question, says, could you please elaborate on how charter schools work exactly? Where does the money come from to start schools, grant scholarships? If parents are given scholarships to send their kids to charter schools, is it a full scholarship? Okay, there's a lot of things in that one question. And she also asked, would they even be allowed to use school lunch programs for, you know, um, you know the uh, free and reduced lunch programs that uh, federal dollars often pay for? Okay, let me just break that down. Uh, Elizabeth, great question. Thank you very much. Here's the, here's the deal. Charter schools are allowed under Alabama law, uh, and they are technically a public school with a separate charter. So whereas within the public school system, you have, you know, certain guidelines, you have certain uh, curriculum guidelines, you have uh, more of, uh, more of a centralized authority uh, with the school board and, and others. A charter school is used, is basically set up, and sometimes it has a special focus. Sometimes it has a different way of doing things. Sometimes they do things like they can bring in uh, educators uh, and pay them differently in order to get them to move there. Sometimes they have a theme. Uh, sometimes they are more oriented to... Uh, like STEM or something like that. But the bottom line is charter schools are technically public schools, but they have a separate charter for how they operate. And they, under the law, they have to meet the standards of their charter within a period of time. And I'm going from memory, but I think it's three years. If they're not showing measurable statistics that match the charter that they said they would, then they can have their charter revoked. Uh, and then they, they just go back to, you know, non-existence. But, but yeah, there's some great charter schools and there's some weird charter schools. Um, but, but I don't believe, I don't know for a fact, Elizabeth, but I don't think there's anything that prevents the free and reduced lunch programs from being used in charter schools. Because like I said, they are technically public schools. And I believe that even free and reduced lunches, those fundings can actually be used by private schools also, but then they a lot of times don't because it brings with it, you know, federal stringers. They tell you what to do and they don't want that. Uh, I know of one great school uh, that I used to be on the board of uh, a private school. And uh, they have a commitment to never take federal dollars because they don't want the federal government telling them how to steer their curriculum or telling them they have to use certain, you know, vernacular or whatever. Anyway, Elizabeth, hope I answered your question. And if anybody out there thinks I got it wrong, text me in uh, 833-687-4448. So this next section of the Triple Dipper, I already had somebody take issue with the title. The title of it is The War on Gender. I had one texter. Who was it? Chris from Madison. Chris from Madison says, first time texter here. Welcome to the show, by the way. First time texter from Madison says, have to disagree with the premise of the Second Dipper. It's not a war on gender. That's only a battle. He says it's a war on truth with God being truth. Okay. You know what? I, I don't argue that point. That's fine. Um, but it's my title. <laughs> so I'm going right now with sticking with my title. It's a war on gender. But I, I, but I, I get his point, though. Uh, Chris from Madison, thanks for being a part of the show. But yeah, so the war on gender, I mean, it's, it's like, is everything polarizing, by the way? Do we have to look, is everything have to be, well, this one infringed upon my pronouns or, or no, you can't have that place that is designed for women because trans women are women too. Actually, they're not, but it'll, so, I mean, like you remember, I brought up a story mm, a week or so ago, the Miss Universe contest. The Miss Universe contest. Miss Universe contest. 
that's ladies, Miss Universe Contest, was recently bought out in October of this past year by a Thai from Thailand, a Thai business tycoon and transgender activist who wants to make sure that the Miss Universe contest becomes more inclusive. So let me get this straight. We are not even allowed to have places where men and women can separately and distinctly compete as men and women. In whatever capacity, I don't care what your feelings are about beauty pageants. That's not the point. The point is, why what go go make your own transgender beauty contest if you want to. But no, oh no, no. The Thailand RuPaul has, I mean, that's what she is. She's basically a celebrity. She's she's and, and by the way, she's a billionaire. She's a very wealthy celebrity. She owns JKN Global Group Public Company Limited. I'm not sure what all they do, but they have quite the portfolio, apparently. And uh, they have established a nonprofit group called Life Inspired for Transsexual Foundation to promote trans rights in Thailand. And she acquired the rights to the Miss Universe pageant. Why? The only reason why is because it's a war on gender. They don't want there to be a place where women are women and men are men. They want there to be a place where anyone who wants to be a woman can say they are. And anyone who wants to be a man can say they are. And then, oh, by the way, what are they going to do? When they're announcing it and coming on stage right now, she, I mean, it, I mean, they, I mean, I don't know what they are anyway. And then they want to take the English language and just bend it around. So there's a war, in my opinion, on gender. And, and, and even right now, too, you know what? It's hard to even tell because there's so much ridiculousness out there on this topic. It's sometimes even hard to tell when they're, <laughs> when they're, when they're spoofing us. Because there's so much junk out there, so many toppy heads out there that are doing this, and they're serious that when you get a spoof like the Babylon Bee, people freak out. Well, I got a story right here in the New York Post. Everybody thought it was legit. Then it turns out it was satire. But there's a reason why we can't tell, because the war on gender has become so prevalent. Y'all stay tuned. I got a lot more. We'll be right back. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. And I'm going to tell you right now, this show covers some ground. Uh, we are down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville. We are Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Text lines are blowing up. You want to text in, you are welcome to it. The text number here is the same as the call number, 833 687 4448. 
Um, hey, by the way, let me tell you, ZLA Solutions, they've been with the show since the very beginning, and ZLA Solutions um, is doing an amazing job, uh, an, an amazing job. Like, it's the biggest year they've ever had as a company. Amazing job at putting jobs and people together. So if you're looking for a job personally, then, yeah, go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. Check them out. They've got, they've got literally, they've got this, you know, great jobs posted all over the state. But if you are uh, an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, then, yeah, check them out again, ZLAUSA.com at ZLA Solutions. They can, they can do the background checks, the drug testing, the, the recruiting for you. They can do it all for blue-collar, white-collar, no-collar jobs. It doesn't matter. And I'm just saying, it can be onesies and twosies or a whole shift of people, but ZLA Solutions is putting jobs and people together on a regular basis and doing a great job at it. So check them out, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And please do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Uh, so I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper, the war on gender. Uh, hello, by the way, to Rayson from Hawaii. Rayson, we're glad you're listening in. Uh, I love the fact that we got a guy from Hawaii that listens it's in. so cool. That's way cool. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, listen, the war on gender. So, okay, it's, it's, it's just, you know, I, I talked about the thing a minute ago with the, with the uh, Miss Universe contest being bought out by uh, transgender activists, you know, for the sole purpose of developing inclusivity. And I mean, they, they, they do not want to have the notion that women competing against women or men competing against men is okay. They, they don't want biologicals having any sway over the ideas of gender. It's a war on gender, in my opinion. I mean, even right now, and sometimes, by the way, things happen, and you look at it and go, why, why would we not be spoofed by that? Because we can't tell, because there's so much ridiculousness being thrust upon us. A story in the New York Post came out that, there was a, a group in Norway, believe it or not, in Norway, that went online and called for Aretha Franklin's 1968 fit, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Now, about half the audience is going to start singing that. You make me feel. Anyway, um, that, that had to be removed from Apple Music and Spotify because it was, it was offensive because there was no such thing as a natural woman. Well, of course, the, the world took issue. This is Aretha Franklin. Thank you very much. This is a hit since 1968. Thank you very much. And yet, <laughs> it turns out it was a spoof. They later came out and said that was satire. Well, how would we know? Because that's the kind of crap that happens all the time. I mean, how do you, how do you know that's a spoof? It's like you have to look at someone and go, I'm going to say this, and I'm spoofing, just so you know. Spoiler alert. It wasn't real, but that's because so many times that kind of thing is real. Like this. Did you know that A&W Root Beer changed its mascot recently? Now, some of y'all are going, Who's, what, what's the mascot for A&W Root Beer? Well, I love A&W Root Beer. Story here on Fox Business, January 24th. That would be yesterday. A&W Root Beer, Root Beer puts pants on its polarizing mascot bear. I don't know why. I don't I don't. I don't know why. Boomer, Boomer's having trouble. I am. I'm having trouble with this. <laughs> put pants on the bear. You just got to put pants on this bear. Well, he's walking around flashing people, I guess, but he was a pantsless bear. <laughs> it's polarizing since for the last 60 years, apparently. No one knew. Nobody how, knew about it. Nobody knew how polarizing it was. Until, until now. Now. So A&W Root Beer says, henceforth, Rudy the Great Root Bear... Root bear, get it? Root bear. 
Rudy the Great Root Bear, the mascot of A&W restaurants for the last 60 years, will henceforth be wearing jeans. In a Twitter post, the company suggested that Rudy's lack of pants was polarizing. America, let's talk. Since 1963, Rudy the Great Root Bear has been our beloved spokesbear. We knew people would notice because he's literally a six-foot-tall bear wearing an orange sweater. But now we get it. Even a mascot's lack of pants can be polarizing. No one knows why it was polarizing, but it's believed to be that it was a question of people trying to misgender him, is, is my thinking here. But the fact is, the article points out, the update in Rudy the Great Root Bear and now having to wear pants because he was polarizing after 60 years, comes right on the heels of M&M's doing its thing. Yeah. Boomer, I yeah. saw your look. Yeah. What do you, you M&M's. Like, I like the little M&M's candy guys. I love and, the and, M&M's and the, and the candy, candy guys. Chicks. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're hilarious. Yes. And, and they're a little creepy because sometimes they, they talk about eating M&M's themselves, which to <laughs> me is cannibalism. Right. Just saying. <laughs> However, I think they're a great, they're, they're a great marketing Um Story on CNN, dated two days ago. Maya Rudolph, I don't know who Maya Rudolph is. She's apparently a Saturday Night Live uh, personality, a uh, comedian, an actress. Maya Rudolph is the new face of M&M's because the polarizing spokes candies are taking a pause. <laughs> polarizing spokes candies. Can't, they're cartoons, y'all. They're cartoons. So far, people are mad about Miss Universe. They're mad about... Rudy the Great Root Bear not having his pants on. And they're mad because the M&M's candies are doing things like, oh, I don't know, the green candy, who always wore the high heels and kind of acted sexy when she was doing her thing. They, they took her high heels off and they put sneakers on her and sort of emasculate or, or, not, or defeminized her. And, and everybody was like, what are you doing? There was even, a, there was even a, uh, an online petition called Keep the Green M&M Sexy. But no, they can't do it. Had 20,000 signatures. No, they can't do it. M&M's would not heed the plea. But they, they note, M&M's did, that even, even a candy's spokesperson's shoes can be polarizing. Well, I got news. I know, but we're saying, wow. But here's the thing, y'all. That seems spoofy. That seems funny. It's like, okay, Miss Universe. I don't watch Miss Universe anyway. Whatever. Miss Universe. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's past its prime. I don't know. Miss Universe. Rudy the Great Root Bear, I don't know, pants on the bear, whatever, you know, just, just at least he's wearing pants and not, you know, cross-dressing, okay. Uh, couldn't have the sexy green M&M, we had to go with the uh, green M&M wearing tennis shoes now. Uh, what, I mean, okay, was that necessary? I don't know. But then what do you do when you have official policy? What do you do when the war on gender has official policy that says things, does things, acts upon things, puts regulations in place that literally indicates a war on gender, like this. That's thick. That's, yeah, it's a big one. Critics at foxnews.com dated today. Critics of a trans-masculine people with cervix language. What? Can't even, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. Transmasculine people with a cervix. Okay, let me let me do some explaining. If you have a cervix, you are a woman. The Washington State Department of Health is taking heat for refusing, for refusing to use the word woman in a recent advertisement about cervical cancer awareness. 
their actual official Twitter page for the Department of Health in Washington State said, quote, transmasculine persons with a cervix should talk to their doctor about cervical cancer screening and the HPV vaccine. Transmasculine, it says, is a term used to describe people who were assigned female at birth who did not identify as male. No. So the Department of Health's choice of language was savaged on Twitter with many users asking the health department why they chose not to acknowledge women in the post. In other words, they didn't say, um, women, you need to be aware of the, 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 the screening of possibilities for cervical cancer. This is, this is something we can control. We can help you. Let's get out there and help it. You know, awareness is half the battle. No. They had to go down the road of saying, transmasculine per- persons with a cervix should die. Hmm. One political commentator said, you mean women? <laughs> that was the response. Somebody else said, this is mental illness. And then Jason Rance, who has a uh, syndicated show out in Washington State, he said, as the Post continued to ha- take heat online for erasing women, the Jason Rance show reported that, that the Washington Department of Health de facto censored critics by hiding their responses on the Twitter thread. In other words, they didn't want, they didn't want there to be other opinions. They didn't want somebody else to say any more about their decision to call Cervical cancer awareness, something that should be heated by transmasculine persons with a cervix. Y'all, there's a war on gender. And there's a reason for this. And I, I by the way, I agree. Recently, uh, the text came through um, from, from, I think it was, was it Chris from Madison? That said, it's really a war on truth. It is. You're right. This is one example of the war on truth. I'm calling it the war on gender for right now. But folks, what they're trying to do is literally blur the lines. And I'll tell you right now. If they can blur the lines on something as biologically unarguable as what is a male, what is a female, if they can blur those lines, then they can blur any line. If that point, it's, it's like I heard somebody say one time, the very first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But if you don't believe God created the heavens and the earth, then the entire Bible is suspect. You can't get past verse one. Well, the same is true here. If they can say that men are not men and women are not women and that they can be anything they want to and gender fluidity is is a thing, then they can change anything to be their version of truth because that is like the ultimate, you know, common sense thing and yet scientifically based and yet they say no. All right, Boomer, take us to a break, brother. We'll do that break about, about 45 seconds to a minute earlier than usual. Take that break right now. We'll come right back, wrap this piece up on the war on gender, and then top of the hour, it's time for the Grand Council. Today it'll be Jeff Poor and Yaffe. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. 
Um, great text coming in. We got plenty of people uh, chiming in on this particular topic. Um, John from Huntsville says somebody needs to tell Tony the Tiger to put some pants on. <laughs> says no one wants to see that kind of nakedness at the fo- at the at the uh, the breakfast table. Um, and then uh, uh, Tony from Piedmont says better be careful. If you, if you start sounding sane, you may wind up on the seventh floor. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, Jerry from Meridianville says, wait until all the grizzly bears in Yellowstone find out they're going to have to wear pants. Maybe we should. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway, hey, listen, um, this, this is, uh, this, this war on gender is, is legit in my opinion. It's real. It's, it's, and by the way, it's, it's being allowed, you know, when I, when I talked earlier in my monologue, if you heard it, if you didn't hear it, I encourage you to get it on our podcast. Uh, I talked about the fact that we've got a, a culture that has become, um, so accustomed to just letting things happen that, that it's, it's because we, we are getting lulled into – we've had so many good years created by hard times that created hard people or tough people that it created good times, which are now creating weak people. And, and we're in that, that position right now where we're watching people that apparently have so much going for them that they have time to focus on things that either aren't real or that they major in the minors – you know, when you've, got, when you've got the ability to do things like uh, help your kid become a five-year-old trans activist, obviously you don't have many problems in your life. You've got, you've got time to do that. You're not having to burn cow dung to uh, cook your food like they do in some parts of the world. You literally have got so much that you've become so weak that you're letting these things happen. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, this war on gender, it's concerning to me. It's very concerning. It's concerning to me when I see people perpetrating it on our kids. And I understand, by the way, that when someone reaches the age of majority, which in Alabama is 19, is different in other states. When someone reaches the age of 19, I recognize they can make decisions. That's just part of it. That's, you know, and I, whatever. If you're not violating the law, but you're making a decision about, you know, the, the social fabric of your life, the cultural fabric of your life, you're faith-based issues, things, all these things. If you, if you want to make a decision about a lifestyle issue, like, you know, being transgender or whatever, I get it past the age of 19. I don't get it when it's being pushed on kids like this one, foxnews.com story that came out today. Non-binary teacher. What is non-binary? I don't have a gender. Yes, you do. Non-binary teacher boasts on changing students' genders without the parents knowing. They need protection. First of all, I will say this. The vast majority of people who teach in this country are also offended by this. It's not like this is the education mantra, all right? I guarantee you, her co-workers, this person's co-workers, this this female who calls herself non-binary who teaches in California, I guarantee you her co-workers are offended by her acts. But I'll say this, too. Her co-worker needed to start speaking up. California teacher named Olivia Garrison bragged about helping students hide their social transitions from parents on Monday. Fox News Digital found that Garrison, a ninth-grade history teacher, works at Del Oro High School in the Kern High School District in California. Social transitioning is the first step for transgender children. It adopts, it entails adopting new names and pronouns, changing their clothing, getting haircuts to match their preferred gender expression. The New York Times reports... Olivia Garrison, a history teacher there in the Bakersfield area, who is non-binary, has helped students socially transition at school without their parents' knowledge. Her quote, my job, which is a public service, is to protect kids. And sometimes 
They need protection from their own parents. Yeah. No. How about this? No. They go on to cite others, a Maryland teacher who did much the same, a, uh, a middle school teacher in Montgomery, um, uh, I think that's Montgomery County in Maryland. Um, you've got another one in Minneapolis. And, and granted, I, and, and you got another one in uh, Los Angeles here. you got another one. Um, it, just, it's, it goes on and on and on. Talks about some of the books they use, the means by which they sneak it into the classroom, and then others don't even try to hide it. They just do it, but their coworkers don't say a word. And I, I do know, I know, by the way, I've got educators in my family. My wife was a private school educator. I've got, I've got other members of my family that were public school educators, and they're offended by this. But if it happens in the workplace, you got to say something. But here's another one. This is where it gets sad. And by the way, I know for a fact this happens in Alabama because there was a situation uh, here in our listening area uh, where this very thing was happening at about this age. NBC News is all in, man. NBC News is all in. Here's a story from NBC that was dated July of last year. It says, Texas trans activist, 11 years old, flees the state after years of advocacy. First of all, there should not be an 11-year-old activist of any kind. And 11-year-olds don't flee the state. It doesn't work that way. It says, Kai Shapley... Kai, K-A-I, Kai Shapley, an 11-year-old transgender activist in Texas, is leaving the state after having fought anti-trans bills there since she, she, he, was five. Five. Look, y'all, I've, I've raised kids. I've got two grandbabies. Boomer's got kids. Five years old, does not know how to make decisions on what to be an activist about. Five-year-olds are figuring out what foods they like. Five-year-olds are still trying to decide what books they want to have read to them before they go to bed at night. Five-year-olds have their favorite cartoons, and they want to know if they can watch another cartoon. Five-year-olds play, and they're just learning to read. Five-year-olds can't tie their shoes. Five-year-olds are not activists. This is a mom who's an activist. This is a mom who's an activist that is perpetrating this on her child to make the child her vicarious activist. And yet, little Kai says on a social media post, my mom sold our home and everything that doesn't fit in our car because the state I was born in is not safe for trans kids. Anyway, happy Independence Day. And then her mom, his mom, Kimberly Shapley, says she's resisted moving for all these years until she realized that one of her sons, her other, her other children, a nine-year-old son, Caleb, did an article about his brother or sister, Kai, saying, we're worried they're going to take mom away. You know why? Because mom has been doing this to the kids. It's a war on gender. And it's wrong. All right, folks, that's enough of that. We're going to go right next to the Grand Council with Jeff Poor and Yaffe. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> 